Real Estate Radio. This is Byron Lazine with PK, the one team at William Ravis Real Estate. I've got Pat Kenny of Barnum Plans. What up, PK? I'm just on some team. You're the one team. I'm on some team. It's yeah, just... you're on that other team, that second <laughs> place now, not you, PK. You're on a winning team. The new I saw I saw the rollout for the one team. Very subtle. Like it just suddenly. We'll do some big announcements, uh, like socially in the near future. But we just subtly, to be compliant with the Department of Consumer Protection in Connecticut, we had to change the name as of uh, January first. So, so yeah, I I just I happened to notice one one moment. Suddenly, I was following a different meme on Instagram, and I was like, wait. This is confusing. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I didn't minute. sign up for this nonsense. Like, who is this? What is happening? No, it was... So, uh, yeah, the number one team in Connecticut, which has, you know, been known as one in company for since August of 2017, is now the one team at William Ravis Real Estate. And, you know, just bring everybody up to speed because I'm sure people aren't following the politics of real estate in Connecticut Department of Consumer Protection is now requiring all teams to basically you got to submit an application with the state to be approved as a team so they have now a real definition for teams what what's happened over the last decade is teams have taken over real estate they have more uh, power than the brokerages because the teams are actually the ones training agents. They're the ones actually investing in sophisticated systems and generating leads and doing the majority of the business. The top 25% of agents, which are uh, customarily in every market on teams, are doing over 75% of the business. So you've got 75% of solo agents floating around out there with no support, no training, and absolutely no deals, right? And so this made a lot of people at Connecticut Association of Realtors and Department of Consumer Protection, because these are basically real estate agents that uh, that make up these groupings uh, that have never been very productive in their careers. So it makes them pretty agitated. And they go out and they, they made this, this rule that you've got to have a definition of a real estate team, which I like that, have a definition of a team, you know, charge me more money. Sure. Yeah, I'll pay another tax. And uh, But there was all these other rules that they added on to it, and they just wanted to disrupt teams. One of them being is you've got to change your names. You can't include associates, group, company. We were one and company at William Ravis Real Estate. So team had to be in there. Uh, they really wanted people to, to use their first and last name. Had some really, you know, some teams like th- there's this agent um, – that has a team. She's from another country and she's like, nobody can pronounce my name. You want me to use my first and last name? Like this is actually kind of discriminatory towards me because um, it's, it's impossible to like pronounce her name. And uh, so, so anyways, they didn't care. The Connecticut Association of Realtors said, this is better for the consumer yet. We're not going to share any of the data. And between them and Department of Consumer Protection, they just jammed this law through. They got Ned Lamont to sign it. Most of these laws go into effect uh, on the date of October 1st. This one, January 1st, it was just a total jam job. And uh, here we are, Pat. So 
we're, you know, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it as a, uh, you know, as a company, but that's why, you know, if, if you ask me an honest answer, <laughs> that's the honest answer of why our team name has changed from one and company to the one team. Uh, we're going to continue to grow. We're going to continue to dominate Connecticut real estate. We'll continue to be number one in the state in 2022. It'll, it'll impact the, our ability to serve concern consumers zero. Uh, the state will make a little bit more money and, you know, they'll get off on this power trip that they're on. Yeah. I mean, you know, good, good excuse to get some new uh, shirts and some, you know, under armor pullovers made and call it a day. Sounds like, right? Yeah. I mean, I like the new, the new look we've got, so it's, it's pretty slick, but cool. you, know, you, you spend a lot of money, you know, for us to rebrand, it's, it's a lot of money and, and, took a big investment for us to get to this point. And there's a lot of branding out there that has to be reversed. And you'll see over the next 30 days that we've still got a lot of stuff to, you know, branding that's out there that we've got to reverse, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's out there in the ethos in different places, you know, and they expect you to like be able to make it all disappear. No, we, I mean, we've been building a brand for four years. It just doesn't disappear overnight. So you got to, we got to deal with that. Good times on the, on the consumer protection board. Thanks yeah. I mean, it's that. really, it, and, and really that the decision is uh, them protecting big brokerages, big box brokerages. Uh, because this, yeah, under you know, the guise of this, this, Oh, the consumer can be confused and, yeah. and, and, and which, and it's one of those things like you look at, cause that kind of stuff happens in our world as well. Like the way that we, you know, operate and the, the names of, you know, whether it's DBA or those kind of things, principally I fully agree and understand like I'm a hundred percent on board. The consumer shouldn't be confused. And, but you think about what your, you know, your team for one example does and the overeducation that not just your agents receive, but that your agents give to consumers about the marketplace and everything else. I don't really think the name on the card or the name on the shirt makes a difference. Pat, like, we sold over five, we sold over 500 homes last year and 186 million in real estate in 2021 as a real estate team, that's more than 90% of the brokerages registered in the state of Connecticut. I'm sure. And you know what the best part about that is? Every single one of those consumers, every one of those clients, every one of those end, the people that were in all of those deals, you know what name they remember? The name of their agent. Yeah. They remember Emily and Chaz and Heidi, not one in company and that's it's again i understand the principle behind it and i don't disagree with the department i get it looking out for pursuit for consumers i just don't think to your point that this is this is really to to attack teams the uh you know the people in real estate that are looking out for consumers more than anybody by actually training their agents is it's just backwards thinking and so uh you know is what it is. But, you know, this is a good time for me to remind people, Pat, that if they do want to join the number one team, the one team at William Ravis Real Estate, if they want to get into real estate, I'll actually pay for their license. Go over to realestateagentscholarship.com, realestateagentscholarship.com. We'll teach you the entire way that you should operate in this industry. You won't have to worry about the politics of real estate, which real estate there I mean, there's a lot of politics, but when you get the biggest trade group, a trade association in the country, National Association of Realtors, and then all these other ones 
you know, these local boards, Connecticut Association, wrap up under it, you get a lot of politicking. That's for sure. Always the case. Yeah. But we got some good news for Connecticut. Right, PK? We do. Finally. I love having good news for CT. Huge news for Connecticut. This hasn't happened since 2010. Stay with us to find out what. We'll be right back. Real Estate Radio 94.9 News Now and Stimulating Talk. If you own a sewing... State Radio, Byron Lazine, the one team at William Ravis Real Estate, along with Pat Kenny of Barnum Plans. Pat, we've got some great news for Connecticut. News that we haven't seen happen since 2010. And then there's also some news that contradicts the great news. So what are we talking? Stay, about? Let's stay with good news. Let's stay with the good news. Let's stay with the first. good. Right. So I think to be to be fair, after like I think it's just it's a different data set. So so the good news is from July twenty to July twenty one, because that's the most recent up to January uh, January twenty one to July twenty one. No, so July twenty. Oh, it's January. one year. Okay, sorry. Yeah, so we have twelve months from middle of the year because that's when the most recent that's the most up to date U.S. Census data that we have. The van lines data, I think, is their own is their own data set. They're not using the U.S. Census data. So let's go with the U.S. Census. Yeah, so we'll use that one for for that conversation. I mean, we've talked about the, the van line stuff. I think a million times. We've actually used it article before, but um, but yeah, there's a there's solid for we're we're in the black for once on something that to your point hasn't happened in eleven years in Connecticut. That's right. From July. 2020 to July 2021, 4,583 residents from outside the U.S. settled in Connecticut, notching another gain in what's been an annual source of population growth. The total and, number was 5337, yeah, is, is, is one paragraph above that is 5337. The state added 5,337 residents, an increase of 0.1% to its population of 3.6 million from that same time frame, July 2020 to July 2021. Connecticut benefited from a net gain of 5,134 residents from other states, a tiny increase and the first since 2010. Hey, we'll take it because we've been in the red on that. Every single year. We've talked about it on this show for multiple years. Doesn't tiny gain turn in the tide? The, the, the times are changing. Sometimes you just need that momentum, you know? That's it. That's it. I think, I think they've hit, you know, we've, we've successfully reached, yeah, you got the boulder up the hill now. You're at the top. I think, uh, I think it's going to be good. I mean, well, you know, I think that ties in kind of very, you know, timing wise, especially, right? You look at, we, you know, when we started talking early pandemic in 2020, uh, after you know the, the the shutdown kind of settled and shook out a little bit, the influx of of people coming to yeah you know, obviously in your case a lot of your team based around the shoreline and you start to see all those kind of you know you started to see those numbers come in. I'm glad that I mean it's taken a while right we're six months behind in the data set because that's how long that's kind of the lag time, but 
it's a green number or a, you know in the black whatever you want to call it and it's awesome man. i'm like excited to see that that's starting to happen I, what i'd be curious to see and i don't think that that information exists yet is the last six months right where things have started to change a bit uh, i think there's been i mean you guys tell me there's, there's still no inventory so i know that the transactions are obviously still a, no in battle but there's still demand right i mean i'm huge sure huge demand still, huge yeah. demand now are you still seeing a lot of like in your day-to-day transactions is it mostly in-state stuff or is it kind of a hybrid of, of both relocation and in-state we have a lot of in-state right now um so people buying their first home for sure uh we do have you know still you know a decent amount of out of state it's not like it was in 2020 so we, we saw more out of state in 2020 and you know six months of this data here it does include the second half of 2020 uh which is when probably if you bought in 2020 it may, might took you to the second half of the year to you know change your residency and all that so so that kind of makes sense to me uh, you still do have, you know, what I think one of the reasons for this is there's a couple of things here that I, I think have helped Connecticut during uh, COVID. Obviously New York city was, had a lot more restrictions than Connecticut overall. So people mm-hmm. getting out of the city in Fairfield County saw a huge boom because of that, you know, still today you, you're, assaulted in a restaurant to see your vax card in New York city. And you don't have to do that in Connecticut. The other thing that I think has helped Connecticut is people realize in New York and in mass, because we've done deals with Massachusetts people, you know, buyers relocating is that both of those areas, the real estate prices shot up and Connecticut lagged behind until the last, you know, 18 months. So if you could work from home, but you wanted to stay in the Northeast and maybe you had, you know, a need to get to Boston and New York sometimes, or, you know, you had business in both of those cities, but you can now work you know, majority of your time from home. You can move to Connecticut and you could actually get a home for less money then you would have to buy in most of the areas on the Eastern side of mass and certainly New York city. Uh, you know, I mean for everything that Connecticut's done wrong, like, you know, and, but it's not different in New York or Massachusetts. That's the thing, you know, you, you can point towards, well, they've really fumbled, uh, you know, the, the schooling board of education has, has been screwed up, but that's everywhere in the Northeast. Yeah, they've screwed that. They've screwed that whole thing up. So you're like taking the less lesser of these evils, and Connecticut looks like a pretty good place in the Northeast. True, it's a true story. You know, will it last, Pat? Is you know, will we continue to see people come to Connecticut? In your mind? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that's that's you know, and and just. I'm operating a lot off the data that obviously that's being provided, right? I don't, I don't do these studies myself in a lab at home. Um, you know, some of the information that they're talking about here, there seems to be a very strong uh, draw from international. Like, so, so, you know, if you look at the numbers that you gave, for instance, you know, we had 5,337 people move into the state, 4583 of those are from outside the U S 
So, you know, there's, there seems to be a very strong international draw, which I'd be very curious to kind of learn a little more about, you know, in terms of like, where is that coming from? Um, but if you go a little further down, they talked about how that's been uh, a fairly common uh, process. So in 10 years from 11, I'm sorry, from 2011 to 2020, uh, Connecticut drew 146,000 residents in net migration from outside the U.S. over the course of 10 years. That's 15,000 people a year that are coming from outside the United States landing in Connecticut, mm. which is, is just interesting to me, like why that's the place. Now, ironically, when we moved here in 91 from Germany, that's what happened with us, right? So we came from Germany yep. and we ended up in Connecticut. So, um, you know, I'm always curious to see, you know, we, we can talk about depending on what parts of the state you can talk about employment, right? So, you know, the Southeastern part of the state, obviously a couple of sizable uh, employers over there between EB, Pfizer, and then, um, you know, things like the casino. Well, the casino is uh, more than Pfizer. Pfizer's kind of, you know, not a huge number of people there, but. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, on the other side of the state, um, you know, GE, Pratt, Whitney, Sikorsky used to be, you know, like in, in Shelton, like all those kind of things, I think are, are definitely uh, contributing to those overseas, in, you know, the, the, the international transplants. Um but you would think other places would be the same, right? I, mean, I think Connecticut just happens to have a, a fairly strong draw. Uh, I mean, if you look about, you know, 5,000, 5,300 people of which 4,500 were international. It's a fairly, fairly strong percentage. There. Yeah, that is, that is a, uh, obviously a big number. So between uh, the time frame, for, well, four of the 10 states with the biggest population declines between 2020 and 20. 21 July of 2020 and July 2021 are in the Northeast, New York, Jersey, Mass, and Pennsylvania. So that's what I mean a little bit about like, you know, we outperformed everybody around us in the Northeast. We're usually in that category historically, you know, you know, we haven't had a gain since 2010. So we're usually right there with the New York's New Jersey, Mass and, and Pennsylvania. Now, on the flip side, you've got Florida at number one for inbound migration. Mm. And you've got, you know, people leaving New York, New Jersey and going there, you know, a little bit obviously coming here. But I think Florida's in like the early innings where people are going to continue to go there. All the Sunbelt states saw, majority of them saw a huge gain. I really believe Florida, Texas, they're in the early innings of this migration shift. I'm just curious where, I mean, is Connecticut going to stay flat? Are they going to go back to their old ways of the last 10 years of losing people? Or are they going to use this momentum to, you know, progressively gain population? Yeah. And I think, right, there's there's always a ton of factors and stuff like that, right? I mean, it's things like, you know, Taxes are always the number one thing that everybody talks about, cost of living, quality of life, those kind of things. You know, and it really depends on kind of, it's one of those things that's funny. I've been thinking about it because I was talking with a couple of clients over the last week or so. And it's very funny if you look at the things that are very interesting and appealing about states like Connecticut, um, you know, that New England shoreline or even like, you know, into the, the more rural areas of the state where you have, you know, beautiful forests and all these kind of things. But one thing about Connecticut that's always been very interesting is, 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 and again, I think it's taken me, you know, being out of the state for a little bit to kind of reflect back on it is like, when you think about going, pretend you're in Virginia, you're in North Carolina, you're in Florida, right? When you want to go skiing, 
for the, in the winter, you don't think of going skiing in Connecticut. You go to Vermont, New Hampshire, or even up to Maine, maybe even into Canada if you're Josh Rubin. Or when you think about going to New England, maybe you think about coming along the Connecticut shoreline. But a lot of people think of, you know, you think of Boston, you think of, of even like Newport, uh, Cape Cod, those kind of things. You don't necessarily think of the Connecticut shoreline. Then you have, you know, Metro New York. It's very different. Kind of what's like our unique, you know, our USP, right? What's the, what's, you know, during from the 5M call this week, like what's the unique prop for Connecticut that's bringing those people in? New Haven style pizza. It's got to be. <laughs> I saw actually, by the way, I saw that the current and it's, it's paywalled again, because why wouldn't it be? that they have their announcement for this year's number one pizza place. And I can guarantee you and I would, would disagree vehemently. I'm sure I, I'm sure whatever the answer is, again, it's behind a stupid paywall because apparently oh, their, their reporting is so stellar that I have to give them 99 cents a week for it. Everybody knows it's Sally's in New Haven. Everybody knows. Yeah. Cause it certainly is not, I, I I'm, I can't even see it. And I'm, I promise you it's not the, it's not the right answer. You, you and I have done those shows. Remember when we did the show a couple of years ago and it was like four of the most obscure places in Connecticut that we'd never heard of that were like in the top three or four. You and I, I got to find that show. You and I did like three or four years ago. It was like, oh, I remember it was crazy. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was just bizarre. Like, oh yeah, such and such in Holland. I'm like, yeah, cause that's where I think. Well, of we had people calling in for those places and saying, no, I agree. You know, yeah. locals. So, I mean, that, that may have been a show we were trying to jab at some people. Who knows? So Connecticut saw an influx in residents from other states for the first time in over a decade, according to the census. Let's hope that that continues. We're talking about that and more when we come back. Real Estate Radio, 94.9 News Now and Stimulating Talk. Stay Radio, Byron Lazine, the one team at William Ravis Real Estate with Pat Kenny from Barnum Plans. And PK, we've got the first one team rewind of the week. The one week rewind. How do you like that? Oh, that's that's like that's dad jokish. I like it. Well done. (laughs) That That was actually Jill did that, so the one week rewind. We had one new listing this week, one coming soon. 18 properties under contract to start the year. 18 for the number one team in Connecticut and seven closings. All right, so our new listing, 7 Hepburn Road in Hamden for $275,000. This is a three bedroom, one and a half bath. Just about 1,800 square feet. Uh, this is on for $275,000. Just came on the market two days ago. Zero Hepburn Road in Hamden. Three bed, one and a half bath. $275,000. Definitely want to move on that one. We have a coming soon property. 
Three Cross Drive in Waterford. Three Cross Drive in Waterford is coming on the market January 14th for $378,800. This is a 2,200 square feet colonial that's coming on January 14th. So go over to oneantcompany.com because we're still waiting on our new domain here, Pat. Go over to oneantcompany.com to check out three cross drive in Waterford, $378,800. It's coming soon, January 14th. If you need information on that, I know that the market's really tight. You could shoot me an email, get you connected to the right person. Byron at oneandcompany.com. All right, we had under contracts in Groton, Waterford, East Haven, Hamden, New Haven, New Haven, Norwich, North Haven, Brantford, Meriden, Stonington, Norwich, Waterbury, Derby, Wallingford, Colchester, Stratford, New Haven. Love that list. My God, this team is killing it. Closing. Boy, that's more deals in that week than I think a substantial amount of teams will do in a year. Oh, for sure. Which is one of the reasons that the DCP did have to change the rulings to define teams because you had all these like wannabe teams out there. Uh, anyway, closings. We have New Haven, Bristol, Waterbury, East Haddam, Waterford, Hamden, and Waterbury. There you go. That's the one team, one week in Rewind. If you want to get your property promoted on this as a new listing, we'll help you out. We'll hook you up. Just reach out to me. We'll get you on the list here. If you've got any real estate to promote, you can call in 860 464 9490, whether you're a for sale by owner, an agent, uh, we'll help you promote your property on the show. Pat, by the way, for sale by owners, for sale by owner homes hit 40 year low, Pat. Uh, This is according to National Association of Realtors 2021 profile of home buyers and sellers. The report based on an annual survey the trade group has conducted for four decades makes clear that nine in 10 homeowners are working with an agent when it's time to sell. Furthermore, Pat, the median price that for sale by owner sold for, you think it was higher or lower than being on the market? I mean, you know, given that I'm not, I'm not a professional in the real estate industry, uh, I'm going to head and roll the dice here on our 50-50 shot and say they're probably going to be lower. Uh, I would assume that they're, they're not going to make that same kind of money. When listed with an agent, uh, your median sale price was $318,000 compared to a median sale price of $260,000 for homes listed by the owner. Typically, uh, people that list by owner are selling to somebody they know and uh, you know the, there's not many people going that route. So not a, not a shocker to me because smart people that want the most money for their home want to expose it to the most people they possibly can. And they know that going on the market with an agent is going to get them the most exposure. So makes sense. So tell me, tell me a little here really quick. Cause I, cause I am not, not smart about this in the way, shape or form right, wrong or otherwise the thought process behind selling the home yourself, like being a for sale by owner is what you're going to save on commission. That's the big one. You know, I think really, that's the 90% of for sale by owners you talk to. You say, why are you selling in your home? I want to save 
you know, on your own, you, I want to save money. You start showing them these numbers. The smart ones are like, yeah, you're right. You start walking them through all the steps, all the work that they're going to do to try to eke out, you know, what ends up being less than a 3% savings oftentimes, because more often than not, there's still a buyer coming to them with a, you know, represented by an agent. And so they end up paying that buyer broker. Mm. Um, so, you know, the savings in relation to the amount of work that goes into doing it, people realize why the heck would I want to do that? Or they're just like busy living life and they, you know, legitimately want a professional nine out of 10 seek a professional to go ahead and do this. But the few that, you know, think that it's going to be a good move for them. It's always coming down to, I want to save the the money, you know? So like, I'm, I'm thinking like I'm, I'm the wheels are turning here in my noggin. I decide I'm going to sell my house myself. Where do I even put it? Other than putting a sign in the front, you know, like I'm selling a used car. Like where does well, it, you can get on Zillow, you know, so I can get on Zillow, but I can't like I can't get on the MLS. Can I? I can't like you can get on the MLS. You, okay. you can pay a fee. Oh, got it. OK. To get on the MLS. So you can get on the MLS and you can get on Zillow. And that's going to help you with about 74 percent of online traffic. OK, Fair. so. Uh, 74% of online traffic. But if you want 26% of online traffic and then the ability to use the brokerage community, which controls the buyers, yeah. uh, you know, so that you can increase your chances of a competitive situation where you're going to have multiple people potentially bidding on your home, you know, that that's the value of, of doing an agent plus Let's just face it, all the bulwark an agent has to do, running this over to the attorney, you know, make, checking in with the attorney, checking in with the inspector, working the appraiser, making sure the appraiser is aware of on and off market sales to make sure that your value that you just got that is a record actually comes in on the appraisal, right? So there's a whole bunch of behind the scene things that I think consumer, most of the consumers that are pretty educated realize they don't want to do. And I mean, I'm even thinking of like the silly stuff, right? Like, so great. So great. I'm on Zillow and I'm on MLS, but like, what am I doing? Taking pictures of my iPhone? Like, like well, you know, there's so much stuff that I'm like, why would you want to do this? It's just, it's well, yeah, crazy. not even just that, just like, you know, the marketing and the preparation, you know, that's all before you even go on the market for sure. Like, you know, what's, What's going to, a great agent's going to come in and help you prepare your home to not only photo the best, but sell for more money because they have the data of like, what are all the buyers looking for right now? They've got the eye. They're doing it every single day. When I sell my own real estate, I don't do it. Even though I'm a licensed agent, I don't do it myself, Pat, because I don't want to sit there and talk to the potential buyers as the owner. I want to negotiate through a third party. You don't see companies that, you know, when Facebook buys a company, they don't call up the founder and start negotiating with the founder. Mm. Facebook contacts a finance company that's representing that founder 
and they start to negotiate through that third party. Yeah. Right. I mean, all the big deals, and this is the biggest deal for most people, are typically negotiated through a third party for a reason. Yeah, and especially when you're looking at something like your house, right? Like your perception of value there is going to be so skewed over what it's actually worth. To your point, like selling a business, your blood, sweat, tears, energy, effort, all of that stuff's in your business. You're going to value that differently than somebody else does by a ton. Absolutely. And it, for most people that don't negotiate every day, they can screw up a deal pretty easy if they're dealing with the homeowner dealing directly with the buyer just based off of pure emotion of heck, you know, maybe they had their father-in-law living in the house and, and it was in his last days. And, you know, there's all these emotions that are wrapped up into a home. Yeah. And when somebody comes in and literally was, is like, this is the ugliest room I've ever seen in my life, but it was <laughs> set up for that father-in-law who was living his last, his last 12 months. And then there's a reaction from the homeowner negative and then now this person's like wait a minute i don't like you i'm not gonna pay you more money for your house you know they just it can go bad quickly but yeah pat for all-time 40-year low in an all-time high market for sale by owners if you're thinking for sale by owner just all you got to know is not the 40-year low the fact that you're selling for significantly less than when using an agent Hit me up if you want some more information on that. Byron at oneandcompany.com. All right, we'll be right back. We got to give away some of Martin's money. Oh. We can't be with our, service with our special guest. The, hook. the guest. I know. I see. I see Jill snuck into the Zoom. Yeah. Oh, you gave the guest away. All right, we'll give away some of Martin's money when we come back. Real Estate Radio 94.9 News Now, stimulating talk. Are you State Radio, 94.9 News Now, simulating talk. Jill, you've snuck in to, you've crashed the show. Your first appearance in probably a year. Jill's just here for the tunes. You Wait, see her Facebook Live. Should we go back to Facebook Lives, Jill, on Real Estate Radio in the new year? One thing I will say, you, you, you really need to get over to CT Real Estate Radio, the podcast, and download it if you haven't already. We're going to be giving away some big giveaways only for the subscribers to the podcast. So go over to CT real estate radio, the podcast, but Jill, should we be going back to Facebook live? What do you think? I, you know, I think we should try YouTube live stream there. Let's try that out. YouTube live, huh? Yeah. Why not? On the one team YouTube. Let's do like, we got, got, there's a whole new, like the creator section on LinkedIn. We got LinkedIn live now. (laughs) Live. We'll do it all. You know, this this radio show is live, so there's that. 860-464-9490. We can prove to you that it's live if you want to call in for some of Martin's money. Let's, uh, what do we got, Pat, for, for a giveaway? 
That's cool. Thanks for the setup on that one, Claire. Thanks for the setup. Um, what is, what is that? Usually I've got an easy one. I've got an easy yeah. one. In 2021, what was cheaper, home ownership or renting? 2021, what, which was cheaper, home ownership or renting? First person that guesses that correct. It's a coin flip. 50-50 chance. No, Jill. I guess. <laughs> Which was cheaper, home ownership or renting? 860-464-9490. First person that guesses gets a gift card uh, to Oleos, courtesy of Service Station Equipment, your residential tank specialist. A little bit of Martin's money here. Jill, I actually took down my Jill Cup Orama counter that I was keeping for the different drinking vessels. Uh, because I just assumed just- you were like I just I was like, that was it. Like Jill has given up. Jill's never coming back on the show. <laughs> Ever again. And it's so funny because not only was I not planning on coming back to the show, I have no drinking vessels at all right now. So I'm thirsty. I'm parched, but I'm going to stick it out for the last 10 minutes here. See if we get any callers. <laughs> I'm hoping to hear from Marvin. I'm hoping to hear from Zombie Mom. Have we heard from any of them in a while? Not in uh, the new year. No, no. It's only been show two here. Yeah, I feel like it's been at least since last year. Eight six zero four six four ninety four ninety. Which was cheaper in two thousand twenty one? Home ownership or renting? We'll get you a gift card to Oleos. First person that guesses that correctly, courtesy of Service Station Equipment, your residential tank specialist. You're talking like average mortgage payments versus average. Like, what does we mean cheaper? Like, my one bedroom studio is probably cheaper than somebody's six bedroom house. So this is uh, based on owning a median priced home got it versus the average rent on a three bedroom property got it okay Some so that's the there. that's the criteria there i like it 860-464-9490 which is cheaper the average rent on a three bedroom property or the median priced home in america in 2021 if we don't get a good guess, then Jill has to do so. Oh, we got, we got, we got one. We got one. We've got Arthur from North Stonington. Arthur, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. A beautiful day out today. Yes. Yes. It's what, what's the, what's the, uh, snow count for you in North Stonington? The what? What's the snow count? Oh, I only had about five and a half inches. Oh, you made out good. Arthur. Let's have a lot of trees. True New England there. there. I only had five and a half inches to the, to the half inch. <laughs> All right, Arthur, uh, which one was cheaper in 2021 home ownership or renting ownership? You are absolutely correct. My friend, that's a great, it's a great answer. It's a great a way lot to of go. People, a lot of people would think that because of the year that we just had with home prices going up 20%, that it might have been renting, but nope, you are correct. Home ownership remains cheaper than renting, except in some of the biggest cities. But on the whole, it is home ownership. Arthur, congrats. You're going to Oleo's courtesy of Service Station Equipment. Stay on the line so Mike can get you hooked up. Thank you. You're welcome. Pat, was that a shocker to you? I'd like to pretend it was, but... Uh... You already knew the answer. Yeah. I feel. I feel like that makes. I've been seeing more and more of that. Especially wasn't, wasn't something crazy like rent in twenty twenty one increased almost eighteen percent or something national like national average. Uh no, that's about eight percent. Okay, 
According to Realtor.com, there could be another source out there. Yeah. That, that's that's the number I most recently saw was about 8% according to Realtor.com. According to Redfin's data, uh, they've got a Redfin monthly rental market data tracker. And Uh-oh. so is it cheaper to rent or to own? You can actually toggle between property types. So if you go single family residential and you and what I like about their tracker here is you can actually put down like 5% down payment, which is going to be cheaper. Hmm. So on your single family residential median uh, home, your average mortgage is $1,566. And on like property, your average rent would be $1,836. So you got about almost a $300 gap, $270 gap on home ownership being the better value versus renting. Now, as interest rates go up, if rent stayed flat, which I don't think anybody believes they are, everybody thinks rents are going up to catch up even more to what these homes are worth, right? But if rents stayed flat and then we know mortgage rates are going up, that would close the gap, Uh, you know, bring those closer to even. But I don't believe rents are going to stay in the same place. No, I have to assume still, I mean, I think you've even talked about this in the past, right? There's this, because of the lack of inventory, you know, if you're someone who's renting now looking to buy, you're resigning, you're resigning leases and, and all those kind of things because, you, you know, you're, you've been struggling to try to find a place to buy. It's, I mean, it seems to be getting a touch better. I think we even talked about that early 2020, though. I think we did talk about how people are, are forced or being forced to stay in places longer because there's just no place for them to go. They're trying to find a place, but you know, there's 15 offers on every house and selling over asking all the time just creates that difficulty for a lot of people that were trying to buy first time, especially. You've had Wall Street buy so many single family homes that they didn't buy up all these homes to, you know, the ones that are sitting on them and, and they're not, you know, flipping them. They're, they're renting them long term. They didn't buy them up to lower rents. They're not like, let's go buy a bunch of homes and then reduce the rents for Americans because we just love them so much. They're, they're buying them to jack up the rents. And so th- that number is going to keep going up. Yeah, it's a, I mean, we talked about this before. It's a subscription model, right? If you can own the piece and collect the rent and generate revenue on a monthly or an annual basis, you now have a subscription as you do with every other service that you sell except for your house. If you can... If you can buy a house right now, and I know it seems it's hard because of the inventory and it seems counterintuitive because prices are so high, but interest rates are going nowhere but up. So if you can lock into where it is right now and you can actually buy a house because investors continue to buy, I would buy, buy real estate and hold. You see Calvin Klein, the property he had in the Hamptons about 30 years ago for, I think it was like three or 4 million. just sold it for 85 million. Yeah, that's that's absurd. a pretty good buy and hold, right? Decent, decent return for thirty years. All right, we've got Russ, a, a Russ. question from uh, Russ in Waterford on interest rates. We got to do it quickly because we're up against the end of the show. Russ, go ahead. Yeah, hi guys. Hey, Russ. What's your question? Yeah, I'm just wondering. Uh, right now, the interest rates are real low, and people are paying over asking price and stuff for their houses. What happens when the interest rates go up? Doesn't their home value go down? 
typically when interest rates go up 1%, you see values go down 10%, uh, 10%. But we're not in a typical market. A normal market is six months of inventory. We're at 1.2 months of inventory right now. We're less than two months of inventory. And so because there's still such strong demand and little inventory, that more than anything is pushing home prices up. If you do see, you know, it, it appears in the last week that the Fed has no idea what they're doing. So there is a, a possibility that interest rates could just jump 1% overnight. It's not likely, but I, I would say that that's a possibility that could happen out there. If that happens, you will see 90 days from that point, home values not just flatten, but start to dip the other way. But it's going to take a sharp spike, not a gradual increase like we're projected to see throughout this year. Great question, Russ. We'll talk about that more next week. So I think that's on a lot of people's minds. Uh, but we're up against the end of the show. Pat, where can people find you if they know the Fed is a mess and they just got to they just got to plan their future here this week? Quick anecdote. First rate hike is in the minutes apparently happening in March. That's the implication yeah. so far, just so we're all on the same page there. Uh, easiest ways, always on the website, barnumplans.com, which we took back from the hijackers. We had our website hijacked for 48 hours. This wow. week. That was exciting. Apparently, yeah, we have a lot of very interesting things on our website that somebody needed to hold hostage. But we got right, it back. Well, we're good. If you got any real estate questions this week, email me, byron at oneandcompany.com. If you'd like to get into real estate, I'll pay for your license. Real estate agent scholarship.com. Go download CT Real Estate Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. We've got some big giveaways happening over there in 2022. Thank you, Service Station Equipment. Thank you, Mike from 94.9. We'll see you next week. Real Estate Radio, 94.9 News Now and Stimulating Talk. Salon 